Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right, my friends. You are listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. You can email me your thoughts, questions, opinions, feedback. I'll even accept your adoration and praise. Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. That is the email. This is the program, and I welcome you to it. Um, you know, it's it's just an amazing, it's an amazing thing to witness here. We are, what are we? We're... Just almost, not quite, 90 days into this, almost 90 days in to Joe Biden riding in on his white horse to save America from President Donald J. Trump. And I see quite the opposite, folks. I see quite the opposite. I don't see, I don't see things progressively getting better. In fact, I see... Things regressing around the world. You see the Biden administration is out there um, warning the nation of Russia not to amass troops in or around Ukraine. You see this again? It's amazing. We've already already launched, what, missiles or whatever, dropped some bombs in Syria in the first 90 days. Remember, President Trump was supposed to be the danger— Around the world. President Trump not starting any conflicts during his four years in office. Biden starting conflicts, watching things heat up around the world. We've got this situation. I don't know if you saw this with uh, with Iran. Iran has um, a place where their centrifuges are located, a nuclear facility that uh, was targeted, they believe, by some sort of a a cyber attack. Iran is calling this nuclear terrorism. Why do some why does a country presumably I mean I don't know who did this, but my first guess is Israel, right? I mean that's that's probably um, I would just say the most likely country that has interjected itself. They are the ones who would face the most dire consequences, the most immediate, most immediately dire consequences with a nuclear Iran. So they may be taking action. I I don't necessarily know that to be the case, but I think that that is a a good place to start. And why are they having to do that? Because, surprisingly, when Biden took office, Iran is suddenly empowered. We're already starting to negotiate with Iran, re- Starting the nuclear, the so-called Iran nuclear deal from 2000 and whatever it was 15, and the starting point is Iran. You're gonna, you're gonna be able to have a pathway to nuclear weapons again. It's just, it's a remarkable thing. Remember, President Trump came out and criticized this and says, "Hey, if, if you're gonna reverse this, at least don't start by taking away your most powerful bargaining chips." And 
The Biden administration, not surprisingly, has already done this as well. It is one thing, truly one thing after another here, as we watch the beginnings of the Biden administration. But I want to start this morning with something that we have talked about in the past, in theory, and that is court packing. And Biden has announced that he's got a commission. Thank goodness we've got a commission coming at this to tell us how many justices need to be on the United States Supreme Court, along with some other things. He's launching launching a commission, one of those things that they're going to be studying. I'm looking here in a story from AmericanMilitaryNews.com, headline, Biden creating Supreme Court Reform Commission, including expanding size. President Joe Biden signed an executive order, surprisingly, on Friday to create a commission of 36 legal experts to conduct a 180-day study on Supreme Court reform, including expanding the court size. Can, can you imagine, pause, this is a 180-day study. We've, we've seen Biden in office for 90 days. Can you imagine what the landscape is going to look like around the world and in this country and in 180 days from now or whenever this thing kicks off? I can only imagine what this is going to look like at that point. But anyway, they're going to include in that study, they're going to look at expanding the Supreme Court's actual size, a White House Statement provided to American Military News said the commission would examine reform topics, including a genesis of the reform debate, the court's role in the constitutional system, the length of service and turnover of justices on the court, the membership and size of the court, and the court's case selection rules and practices. I don't, this is a news flash here. Now, this is, uh, you know, we have three. We have three branches of government. They are co-equal. They are co-equal branches of of government. Of course, one branch in certain areas has, I suppose you could say, power over the or a, a, a balanced a check and balance over the other. For example, the president can veto legislation sent to him by Congress, approved by both houses of Congress, but in return, Congress can override that veto and still make something law if the president doesn't sign it. The Supreme Court, for example, if it is uh, tasked with in, you know, a partic- looking at a particular law passed by Congress, can say, Congress, the law that you passed was not constitutional. It's not consistent with what the Constitution says. Hereby, we hereby strike down that law as being unconstitutional. Congress can then go back to that law and adjust it to address the concerns of the Supreme Court, thereby making sure that it is, you know, within uh, the court's view in and make sure that it's consistent with the Constitution. This goes, there's multiple things, you know, that the president can nominate a cabinet or justices to the Supreme Court, but they must go before the Senate for approval. On and on this this stuff goes. Um, but Biden is now saying he's going to uh, announce, he's going to empower a commission to study, to study 
the Supreme Court and really how it functions. Now, this quickly, um, the, the court is not, it's just something I want to point out here. There's a lot more problems with this than this first point, but I, I want to just point out that it's not the job of the president or the executive branch or any person in the exec, executive branch to tell the court how to, to operate. But that may be where this is going. The court does not serve President Biden or President Obama, for that matter, or President Trump, for that matter, the Obama administration, none of those. The court serves the American people. The court is there to interpret the law in the Constitution to make sure that it is being applied uh, legally and lawfully to the best of their abilities. Now, that's not necessarily why all the justices are there. Some of those justices are there for reasons none other than to advance the cause of of liberalism, to legislate from the from the bench, to make to make certain that things that liberals want to see enacted in this nation um, are actually followed through or carried out, even though Americans don't necessarily want those things. That's why we're living when when you have the trifecta, I suppose, when you have a Democrat in the White House, a Democrat in Congress are in control of the House and in the control of the Senate, we've got to be extremely vigilant as to what we are um, letting these jokers do. And now they're wanting to have a commission, of course a commission. Commissions solve everything. Commissions and the minds of the lovers of government, the lovers of big government, this is how things get done. You put a bunch of pointy-headed liberal elitists into a room and you say, solve this problem, and poof, problem is solved. This is how this happens. This is how this is done. Now, they'll tell you, in fact, I'm going to play a soundbite here. This is Biden. I will say this. I will say this. This is actually a campaign promise made by President, well, by candidate Joe Biden. And this was, um, I'm going to play a soundbite from an interview he had with Nora O'Donnell back in 2020, October of 2020, saying that if he wins the presidency, if he wins the presidency, he's going to do this very thing. And I want you to listen to this exchange to get a, a full idea of at least what he was saying. He may not remember he said this, but this is what he was saying back in October of 2020. 2020. What did I say? Did I say 2022? Sorry, I'm thinking about Trump is out there saying that Congress, uh, the Republicans are going to win the House back in 2022, and they're going to win the presidency in 2024, which, of course, continues to uh, stir speculation as to whether or not he's going to announce a run. I think it's beautiful the way that he does this stuff, the way that he keeps people interested without actually telling people that he's running for president and so forth. Anyway, this is Biden talking with Nora O'Donnell, October 22nd, October 21st or 22nd of 2020, explaining what he's going to be doing if he's elected president. And this is what he's actually uh, kicked off a commission to do. Here it is. If elected, what I will do is I'll put together a national commission of bipartisan commission of scholars constitutional scholars, Democrats, Republicans, liberal, conservative, 
and I will uh, ask them to, over uh, 180 days, come back to me with recommendations as to how to uh, reform the court system, because it's getting out of whack, um, the way in which it's ha being handled. And it's not about court packing. There's a number of other things that our constitutional scholars have debated, and I'd look to see what recommendations that commission might make. So you're telling us you're going to study this issue about whether to pack the court? No, whether there's a number of alternatives that are go well beyond packing. This is a live ball. Oh, it is a live ball. No, it is a live ball. We're going to have to do that. And you're going to find there's a lot of conservative constitutional scholars who are saying it as well. The last thing we need to do is turn the Supreme Court into just a political football. Whoever has the most votes gets whatever they want. Presidents come and go. Supreme Court justices stay for generations. There you go. So that is what he's saying. It's going to be, no, look, it's going to be a lot more than packing the court. There's a lot here. Conservatives, yeah. How many people think that there's going to be an equal number of conservatives on this commission? I can only imagine who Biden thinks is a conservative. I mean, George Conway comes to mind. George Will comes to mind. Um, some of these never-Trumpers who um, you know, might write for some of these pseudo so-called conservative publications and so forth. I think of maybe David French. Who knows? Who knows who he is going to throw on these uh, on these panels as as the so-called conservative? Any any guesses? Any I guess speculation as to what's going to happen from this? We got some thoughts on that that I'll share on the other side of the break. But this is look. Make no mistake about this. Make no mistake about this. They are in a position in their minds where they, again, can see the proverbial finish line here. The finish line is, again, not just on the side of legislation, which we've talked about, things like the new Green Deal, whatever they end up calling this, however they can get it forced through, if they can get it forced into part of the infrastructure bill or what have you, expanding you know, long-term federal spending programs and so forth. Um, not just legislative things, but in addition to that, in addition to that, taking control of the Supreme Court in ways that will radically transform its ability to make rulings that are contrary to liberal positions. This is a dream of theirs. This is not just about advancing their ideology. This is about advancing their ideology, but it's also about making sure conservatives, Republicans, constitutionalists have no way of fighting back through the system anymore. That's what this is about. That's what HR1 is about. I know it's a it's it's maybe difficult to swallow at times because it's hard to comprehend someone disliking America as it currently exists. As it was founded to exist, it's it's confusing to people, especially if you've grown up loving this country, believing in the principles and concepts and ideas that this nation stands for. It's confusing to think someone would be an enemy to that. Someone would want to, quote, build it back better. Build it back better, folks. It's amazing that people want to turn from free markets and capitalism to a more government-run system 
an economic system. It's confusing. It truly is to, to many people. I understand that. It's not, the more you understand who these folks are and what they're doing, it's not confusing. It's actually very, I would say, easy to predict in some ways. But it's still confusing. I remember when I was a young conservative, I didn't want, as much as I opposed what the, what the left and the Democrat Party was doing, I didn't want to accept some of these things I couldn't get there. It took me a while. I got there with the help of Rush Limbaugh because I believe that he was exactly right the way that he explained how these how these radicals thought, what they were trying to accomplish. And it's not simply to advance their ideology, though it is about that. It's about creating a situation whereby they can maintain power for effectively eternity. And that's what we're looking at here. We'll talk about this a little bit more on the other side of the break, but I've got to take a time out. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Welcome back. By the way, this program brought to you in part by one of our newest advertisers, White's Innovative Glass, whitesinnovativeglass.com, family-owned and operated company. They offer commercial glass services throughout the state of Indiana, specializing in commercial glass installation, repair, and replacement services for a variety of custom glass features. Again, White's Innovative Glass, 812-221-2215, 812-221-2215. In fact, I should tell you, um, the building in which our offices are located in Mooresville, um, there is a uh, – one of our neighbors has an issue with his glass um, – the, the glass on the front of the on the front of the building and it needs to be replaced and so um the landlord I spoke with the landlord about about Caleb and, and White's glass and they met on Saturday to take a look at that. I'm telling you this because I get a picture. I get a picture texted to me. They're in in our office. The landlord let him in because I think he thought this was funny. And there's a banner. One of our banners is up in the office, a pop-up banner that we take with us to events and so forth. It's got a picture of yours truly on there to scare the mice away. But they had taken they had taken a little piece of paper, and above my head, like a thought bubble, they put the name Biden up there. And it's still stuck on that banner. It's coming down first thing today when I get in there. Anyway, White's Innovative Glass, so they're good to, uh, good to have them on the program, whitesinnovativeglass.com. So... Let's get back to the Supreme Court uh, commission here. This commission that's going to look at it, fix the problem, right? Biden paints this picture as though the reason we have problems in the court is really and truthfully, really and truthfully, which again, it expands beyond the Supreme Court. It's the federal judiciary as a, as a whole, which we know Trump got a lot of conservative justices on those courts. Pause. I want to pause there, though. I want to pause and explain something um, that I think is critically important. You hear people talking about justices and judges, 
Supreme Court, federal judges, and so forth, you hear people throw terms around, and I just did. I said conservative judges or justices, liberal judges or justices. And and it gives the appearance when you use those terms, I guess, in a casual way, it makes it appear that the court is politicized, meaning meaning that what Biden said in that uh, segment or that clip last segment was actually true. He said, look, you know, we don't want to have a situation where if there were if one side has more votes, they get what they want. If the other side gets more votes, they have what they get what what they want as well. And he's he's right on that. But what's the reason for that? See, this is where I think the Democrats and the left, the Democrat Party leaders, the left is ahead of us. And I'm not saying we should employ their tactics because they're deceitful, but they they have a starting point ahead of us because they just they don't waste time in trying to explain the circumstances of the situation. They just want to basically, I guess, uh, give themselves an, an argument, start off by using terms that give them a, an advantage to win. They don't really care what you know about it. They want to say, how can we manipulate people Based upon what their starting premise is about this court, how can we use that to our advantage to win? Conservatives like me want to say, let me explain what's going on so that you understand. Because I'm telling you, when people understand this, when people understand what's going on, they will side with conservative principles nine times out of ten because – not even the principles, just the approach. Just the approach. And the solution to this isn't to change the court. The solution – is to change the types of people we nominate to the Supreme Court. And so when I say a conservative justice, I'm not saying I want someone to go in there and to um, implement their ideology because they have the votes to do that. That is not at all what I mean. Conservative justice, a conservative justice is someone who believes the Constitution and the law needs to be applied as intended, as written by those who wrote the law and or the Constitution. They don't get to cite, as liberal justices have said. It was either Breyer or Souter that said this at one point throughout, I think it was Breyer, who said that you can cite foreign law in a Supreme Court decision. See, that's a problem because that's not our system. I don't want to make this overly complicated to some Left is tuned in this morning. I'm just teasing. Welcome to the program. But I am saying this. That is not the way that you do this. What you do is, candidly, exactly what Kavanaugh said during his confirmation process, which is this. If you're a judge, if you're a Supreme Court justice or a judge, and you don't occasionally make decisions or rulings that you personally agree with, you are not doing your job because your job isn't to implement what it is that you want to see happen. It's not to take the ideology of that judge, in the case of Brett Kavanaugh. It's not to say this is this is what Brett Kavanaugh would do, this is what his personal preference is, and this is the outcome of the case. No, no, no. Instead, what he does is says, what does the law say? He says, how does that apply to this case? How do I balance constitutional concepts and, and, and principles with with this law? And then the arguments being made. How do I piece that together? How do I do that? He may say, I don't like this ruling, but this is where the 
This is where reasoning and rationale leads me. And folks, if we had justices that did that, then it would not matter. It truly would not matter. And I know that is living, this is living in a fantasy world. So I'm not saying that that's even conceivable completely. But if, if we had justices that were nominated that truly interpreted the law and then said to Congress, if you want to do something about the law, quit bringing something to me to try to implement a solution, an idea that you want to see implemented, but you can't get the political support for. You have to do the politics. I have to do the interpretation. We, this court, have to do the interpretation and the application. That's what we're supposed to be doing, figuring this out on a case-by-case basis. If you want to see the new Green Deal pass, for example, I'm not going to dig and find that in the Constitution. you got to find a law. You have to find a policy that is consistent with the Constitution and other federal statutes that may come into play here. And you have to craft a piece of legislation, a bill. It's got to pass both houses. And if and if there's a court case that challenges this bill, I'm going to interpret it based upon what it says and then how I apply it. That's what's going to happen. Don't blame me. Don't look to me. Don't look to this court to implement your liberal ideology. That's not the way that this works. But see, that is the way that it works for the radical left. In fact, if you look at the things that they have implemented over history they have used the courts in many instances i think of roe versus wade for example i think of same-sex marriage for example oftentimes things that in the political and legislative process there have been specific uh, there have been challenges or political you know uh, referendums and so forth on ballots Those issues lost a lot of times, but the court comes in and they basically wipe the slate clean and say any law that prohibits this or that is unconstitutional. We've declared this the law of the land, and I defy you to find an example of a conservative conservative position where this is where this has happened. It happens with the liberals all the time. An activist put another way, judicial activism is the problem on the court. Judicial activism. If if all nine justices are radical liberals, but yet they they truly, if they're personally radicals, if they're out there voting for Bernie Sanders, if they simply follow the law and follow the Constitution as written and as intended by the founders, and they were originalists, of course, those things are, at some point are irreconcilable. How can you be an originalist and be in favor of Bernie Sanders? I get it. But the point is... Not so much the idea ideology, though that is a problem, but it's only a problem if you say I am willing to implement my ideology through judicial activism, basically saying I don't care what the law says, I don't care what the Constitution says, this is what David Souter thinks, this is what uh, Sonia Sotomayor thinks, this is what Elena Kagan thinks. That is where the real problem comes in, it's judicial activism. There's nothing wrong with the court at As a whole, in the sense of the system, the problem is that we have nominated and confirmed some on that court who want to implement their ideology. And if a conservative implements his or her ideology through, uh, through a court case, I'm not cool with that either, folks. I'm not. The ends does not justify the means to me. We have to follow the rule of law. We have to stay 
We have to make sure each branch stays in its proverbial lane. And we have to make sure that we're following the constitutional precepts here. That's what the problem is. And I'm telling you, you know what's going to happen. The things we're going to find out from this commission. Got to take a break. You can only imagine. Your imagination's running wild with what this commission is going to tell us. Quick time out. Come back. Probably a few more words on that, and then we're going to shift uh, some gears and get into some other issues as well, including Trump out there talking about winning in 2022, Republicans winning the House, the presidency, all these sorts of things. I want to get to that in the second half of the program here. A little bit long in this segment. Sit tight. Back in just a minute. tuned in to America's realities are self-appointed, willing to fill the spot in that position created by the Biden administration at the behest of the New York Times. I'm here to help President Joe Biden in any way possible. And being America's realities are is one way that I'm willing, I'm willing to serve my nation. Really quickly, one more thing here before I shift gears and get back into um, this move on to President Trump. Do you have any doubts what's going to happen here with this study to commission changing the Supreme Court? Any guesses where this will end up? You think that the commission is going to find that we can or should or maybe even must expand the size of the Supreme Court? You think that's going to be the case? Again, I, I can only imagine what we're going to find out. We may find out some somewhere during this process that the number nine, which is the number of justices on the Supreme Court, we may find out the number nine is racist. We may find that out along this through this commission. We might find out that we must have more justices in the on the Supreme Court in order to save our democracy. We might find that this is the critical component. This is the final link to save our democracy. It's do or die. It's more than nine or bust. We might find that out. We might even find out we might even find out that Chuck Schumer and his his aides, his staffers, will find a hidden section in the Constitution that's written in invisible ink, and that they will decode with the help of Nicholas Cage. They may find that there's a number in there that the founders wanted, that a number of justices the founders had intended to put on the Supreme Court, which, of course, will be more than nine. Is there any doubt that this is where this is going? I don't care what Biden says about conservatives, Republicans, Biden, you know, Democrats, um, all these different groups of people. We know who's going to have control of this commission. We know who these folks are going to be. We know what their intentions are. We know that that this is at least a very, very strong possibility that they're going to be recommending that America changes the number of justices or something else fundamentally important here. Um, they, they hit on some things that make you wonder, what are they, they going to do? How the court chooses its cases? The court That's the court's prerogative, right? The court's prerogative on how to choose cases. Now Biden and his commission, they're going to tell them how to do that? What's that going to look like? Anyway... Timeout is in order. Quick timeout. Come back. I want to shift gears, talk about President Trump 2022, 2024, and all the things uh, 
kind of in that in that direction. He's he's uh, speaking to some Republican donors, and he he makes some comments that I want to share with you. We'll do that after the break. Sit tight. Be back here. Be back here in just a minute. My friends, by the way, this program brought to you in part by our friends at Northwestern Mutual, Blake Hornsby in Greenwood, over 20 years experience, financial advisor, contact him, mention the Todd Huff Show to get your free initial consultation. You can find out more by visiting his website, BlakeHornsby.com, Blake Hornsby, that's H-O-R-N. S-B-Y, BlakeHornsby.com, or call 317-215-8322, 317-215-8322. I think I mentioned this on here before. I played football with Blake at Butler back in, uh, back 150 years ago. Sharp guy, reach out if um, if this is something that you're looking uh, looking into, some, some financial advice, investments, that sort of thing. Blake Hornsby. Dot com two one five eight three two two is the phone number. So let's talk a little bit here. President Trump, President Trump has reportedly spoken with um, donors over. I think over the weekend here. This is in the Epic Times. Trump's Epic Times. Trump predicts GOP will retake Congress in twenty twenty two. White House in twenty twenty four. Former President Donald Trump, in a speech to Republican donors on April 10th, which would have been Saturday, predicted that the GOP will win back both houses of Congress in 2022 and the presidency in 2024. He says this, We are gathered tonight to talk about the future of the Republican Party and we must, uh, and what we must do to set our candidates on a course to victory. I stand before you this evening filled with confidence that in 2022 we are going to take back the House and we are going to reclaim the Senate, and then in 2024 a Republican candidate is going to win the White House. You may have seen this too last week. Mark Meadows asked about President Trump's chances, the odds that he would be um, running for president in 2024. Meadows said the chances that Trump does that are better than 50-50. This is what he said in radio show uh, with Sebastian Gorka. I'm feeling great about President Trump's willingness to serve once again in the Oval Office. He did say, he added that President Trump is making all the preparations necessary for another run and he's being encouraged by his friends and former staffers. This is according to the Washington Examiner. Again, Mark Meadows on Sebastian Gorka's Radio program. So Trump's still out there fighting the fight, which again is multifaceted. I mean, you've got the the, the electoral side of this, winning winning elections. You've got fighting the issues, right? You've got Democrats that are trying to basically create a permanent majority for themselves, a permanent majority for themselves by passing things like the For the People Act, by generating all this faux outrage at the Georgia election law, 
right? They want they need to demonize what Republicans are doing. So they point to the Georgia election law and they say, oh, this is atrocious. This is terrible. This is voter suppression. As I said last week, from this point forward, all Democrat bills that have anything to do with elections will be known as voter fraud bills. Since all Republican bills are called voter suppression bills by the left and by the media, some of the media, we're going to dub these Democrat bills voter fraud bills. And so they demonize the Republican bill in the state of Georgia, even though other states do pretty much the same exact thing, including this state, the state of Indiana. They demonize, and then they say this this law in Georgia is, is racist. It's trying to suppress the vote. It's all these terrible things. So we have to have we have to have a, a national for the people act where Democrats come in and make all things fair because this is unacceptable. And some people buy into this nonsense. Others see what's clearly going on here. But this is what we're up against. So it's it's winning the political battles, winning the fights over these the current legislation, which we're going to have to fight tooth and nail, folks, to make sure that this is um, – that we defend and prevent some of these things from happening because 2022 won't come quickly enough if they're able to usher all these things in. And on top of that, what we've been talking about the other part of this – the other half of this program, um, the Supreme Court – changing the Supreme Court so that it fits easier with the liberals' ability to implement their ideology, oftentimes by even bypassing uh, the process whereby it goes before the people, uh, the democratic, so-called democratic process here. Just make it law by the Supreme Court. Got to take a break. Got to take a break. Out of time here. Sit tight. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. friends. It's about all the time that we have today. But I want to say this. I want to say this in closing. I would be doing a disservice to you if I did not, if I did not point out that we, this is not over. We just have to be engaged. We have to be prepared to, to fight. There's lots of fronts on this, uh, on this battle that we're fighting. Metaphorical, of course. That's why we've launched CNBU, Conservative Not Bitter University. We need to educate and Promote our ideas, communicate those in our sphere of influences, make sure we vote for and nominate the right politicians. There's lots of things we can do. Don't give up hope, but it is, look, we got a lot of work to do. I've got to go. Thanks for listening. SDGC tomorrow. Take care.